You have reached the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, also servicing the Veterans Crisis Line. If you are in emotional distress or suicidal crisis or concerned about someone who might be, we're here to help. There's a new three-digit phone number for you to remember, 988. It's a free suicide prevention hotline for anyone to use, and it couldn't come soon enough. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people, and experts are saying the pandemic, racial violence, and political unrest are behind an uptick in suicides across the U.S. But is this new hotline enough to address the suicide crisis, or is it too little, too late? I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the L.A. Times. It's Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Today, will the new 988 hotline fundamentally change how the U.S. treats and considers mental health? Or will it fail like so many efforts before it? Jacqueline Cosgrove is a colleague of mine at the L.A. Times, and they're an assistant editor of For Your Mind, our new initiative that explores mental health from multiple angles. Jacqueline, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me. So 988, who is it for? So 988 is this effort that launched this past weekend, July 16th. And basically, before 988, we had the suicide hotline. It's been around since 2005. And it was previously that you called, you know, 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. And you were connected with a response center, generally in your community or fairly close to you. So it was local folks answering And that's obviously existed for years. And so, but there was a concern among policymakers in Washington that, you know, it just, it wasn't as easy to call as it could be. You know, we have all learned now that we can call 911 when there's medical emergencies. And so the hope here is that people will now learn you can call 988 when there's a psychiatric emergency of some kind. And with something literally as small as a three-digit number compared to a longer one, that really is going to help. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Gustavo, I don't know if you've ever like had to talk to somebody um, who's in crisis. Um, I've had multiple friends, you know, I've, I've done mental health journalism for a while. And so people, you know, thankfully have grown to trust me. And I've had multiple friends reach out to me while suicidal. And when you are talking to someone who is actively thinking of ending their life, you have to be so incredibly present and really listening like you've never listened before. Um, I'm just talking about people who are suffering from a serious depression. I'm not even talking about folks who are also suffering from mania, who are also suffering from delusions. That's a whole other level of stress that you're having to manage. And so I think policymakers are wanting it to be something simple that pops into your mind and says, oh, you know, maybe we could do a three-way call with 988 and get a professional on the line to help us, you know, which you can do. Your friend can stay on the line. So what can someone expect when they do call 988? Like specifically folks here in Southern California, who will be on the other side of that phone call? So hopefully folks will be immediately connected to a compassionate listener who is trained in talking to folks in crisis. There is some concern across the country that there'll be a wait time. I know that when I've called 911 in Los Angeles, I have definitely experienced that before. And let me just say the LAPD does not have good hold music. And so with 988, the hope 
And what our local officials have been really working toward is making sure that there's going to be enough people to answer those calls. So you call and you're talking to a trained person. They are not a law enforcement person. It is not at the 911 dispatch center. Generally speaking, folks are at a local nonprofit that contracts with the county. And a lot of these folks have done this for years. I did a story once where I went to one of these places. And I mean, talk about just the nicest people I've ever met. You know, they're sitting there awaiting you to call them on the worst day of your life. So they'll start talking to you about what's going on and, and you know, what's, what's weighing heavily on your mind and on your heart. You know, a lot of people who call, they just really need someone to listen to them. When you're in the depths of a depression, you have these thoughts telling you that no one cares. For some folks, it's just that moment of clarity in a depressive episode where you think maybe this will help. And for a lot of folks, that is what they need. We do have a really serious loneliness crisis in America. And when I've talked to people who answer the phone, they said some people call us because they're just really in like the depths of loneliness and they need just a compassionate person to listen. You mentioned earlier that there has been a national suicide hotline for over a decade. So why the big push now to simplify just the numbers and make it on that level that you were talking about? I think there's a lot of answers to that question. Overall, I think as a culture, we are finally, hopefully, seriously reckoning with the mental health crisis that has existed in this country for decades. And I think that that's finally making its way to Washington. Our national approach to a mental health system, it generally has come in fits and spurts. You'll have something major like this launch and there's a lot of attention. And and the hope is that this attention doesn't go away and that this is the first step of many into building, you know, a comprehensive crisis system. And what do 988 proponents hope to achieve then with this service? The hope is that when you are really suffering, it is very simple for you to ask for help. That simple. And (laughs) also that um, if you need someone to come to you in your time of need, then someone will be there. And that's going to look really different across the country. But here in Los Angeles County, the Board of Supervisors and other folks have been gearing up to increase the number of what's called psychiatric uh, mobile response teams, PMRTs. And so the county right now is actively onboarding to where they'll have about 40 of those teams. Now, we won't have 40 all at once. They'll work in shifts. But right now, those teams will work from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. And then the county is spending additional money to hire contractors so that hopefully within the next few months, we're going to have a 24-7 mental health crisis response that is not law enforcement. The thing about 988 is that in a lot of ways, this is our, our mental health officials and policymakers acknowledging finally that police are not the best folks to respond in mental health crises. Coming up after the break, who's overseeing this national helpline and who's paying for it? So Jacqueline, who's actually overseeing this 988 national hotline? So at the very top, you have the federal government, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And then they contract with a nonprofit called Vibrant Emotional Health. And that's the company that overall runs the lifeline that we keep talking about, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And it's made up of dozens and dozens of independently run organizations. I mean, you're talking about just 
thousands of people every day logging on in 50 states to answer these calls. When someone calls in, who are they calling? So generally speaking, you are routed to the closest call center near you, you know? So I was listening to a story earlier and they were talking about how a caller was in Wyoming and the caller said, like, how will you know what I'm going through? You've never been to a small town. And the person on the line was like, I'm in this town. And it was like, you know, not that far away. And the person's like, oh, like you're local, you know? And so like the hope is that, like, if you're calling from L.A., like, you're not going to be talking to somebody in Texas. You're hopefully talking to somebody who is culturally competent in some capacity, you know. So if you need to talk to someone in Spanish, you know, that service is available. If you're a young trans youth, then, you know, the hope is that that service will be available where you can talk to a trans person who has real empathy for what you're experiencing. That's a really thoughtful approach to make it that localized. Yeah, and it's been that way for years. You know, whenever I visited the center that was in Oklahoma City, they were answering calls for their fellow Oklahomans. So it's not like calling a call center that's going to be hundreds of miles away from you. Yeah. You said that the feds are at the very top, but who's actually paying for this? Where's uh, the money coming from to fund this initiative? So uh, Congress and the Biden administration have allocated millions of dollars for this initiative. And the goal is to give these local response centers a lot more money so that they have a lot more resources to answer what is anticipated to be a huge increase in calls, because it's going to be a lot easier, hopefully, for people to call this number. So in terms of who's paying for us, I mean, we are the taxpayers, (laughs) but on a bigger scale, the federal government is giving local agencies lots of money. And then also, you know, in LA, the LA County Board of Supervisors is allocating money for the County Department of Mental Health so that they can amp up all those different response teams. Um, So it's dollars coming from every level of government, really. This all sounds incredible and hopeful, but is 988 ready? Like the people who are running it, have they said that they're ready to help people and they don't feel that they're going to be overwhelmed? So... In L.A. County, officials have been cautiously optimistic that they are ready because of these psychiatric mobile response teams, because of these other contractors that they're going to be hiring. But across the country, I think it's going to be a real patchwork. And even in California, there are some communities that are not going to have mobile response team. They're going to have law enforcement. Now, those law enforcement might have specialized training um, called crisis intervention training, but you're not going to be getting a therapist if you live in the middle of nowhere. Hopefully, we'll get there. I've read a lot of articles where mental health officials are saying, we really hope that this is the start of something. Um, I've seen that verb used a ton. And so what I personally hope happens is that 988 maybe is a way that we have a real conversation about how we need a national strategy from Washington for our mental health system. Because, Gustavo, it's not just about crisis care. I mean, if you have a psychiatric emergency, you're going to need follow-up care from a therapist. How accessible is therapy to most folks? We, you know, we know the answer. And then also, like, let's say that you have a substance use disorder. You're addicted to, to meth or to heroin. How accessible is substance abuse treatment? You know, and so... While I'm excited about 988, I continue to see 
local, state, and federal governments fund new shiny things and not fund the nuts and bolts of the system. And that is something that continues to frustrate me as a journalist writing about this and also policymakers and the very people using the system. More after the break. Jacqueline, it's pretty easy to remember 988. Again, it's just three digits. There's going to be a big marketing push to get people to think of it as something that they could rely on. But do you think it's going to make us think differently then about how we view seeking mental health care in the U.S.? Because as we all know, there's always been a stigma attached to it. But now all you do is dial three digits and you could talk to someone. I hope so. You know, I genuinely do hope so, because every day there are millions of Americans suffering in silence and they don't have to. And my hope is that they will be incentivized to pick up the phone and and talk to somebody. Because like I said before, that often is what people need. They need to be heard. They need to be listened to by someone who's not distracted by the text messages on their phone or by a friend who feels overwhelmed and, and says it's too much. Like these are trained professionals who can listen to you. So I I hope in that way it does make a difference. And I hope that this is the the start or the middle of a conversation about how we can have an actual mental health care system. Because right now we just have fragmented bits of things that sometimes help. Jacqueline, when we think about three-digit phone numbers like 988, we also think about 911 or 211, the social services hotline here in Los Angeles and other counties across the United States. But those numbers don't always have the best reputation. There's often delays in them or rudeness or just a general lack of efficiency. So what are some of the concerns or criticisms you've heard already about potential problems with 988? Several things. I've heard people talking about the delays. You don't want someone calling 988 and they're in a really bad place and they get hold music. And that is a concern, I think, hopefully less so here in Los Angeles County, where I will give public officials credit. This is a rare moment for me where they have been trying to prepare and gear up. But in smaller communities and also I think in the middle of the country, you haven't seen that level of preparation. And so there is that concern that if you call 988 and you have a negative experience, will you call again? That's a big concern. There's also a criticism from some folks who want to see law enforcement completely removed from the system, that there is that chance, however small it might be, that you call 988 and the police end up coming to your home to respond. That is going to look different in every community, but I know that here in Los Angeles, the goal is to completely remove police from the equation. And like law enforcement here want that to happen. They don't think that they're the ones to respond to these emergencies. They agree it's therapists and licensed trained mental health professionals. We've been talking about 988, but that's just one place that people can reach out to if they're experiencing a mental health crisis. What are some other resources that exist for folks? That's a great question, Gustavo. I should mention that with 988, you can actually call if you, let's say that you're a family member of someone who's struggling and you want to understand how to better help them, but you're not to a crisis yet, you can call 988 for that reason. Like it doesn't 
have to be the emergency. Like you can say like, I really want to know like what to say to them. And like the folks will help you. They'll help you learn how to walk through that conversation because mentioning suicide to someone does not make them kill themselves. It actually helps them feel more seen. The research has shown that over and over. In terms of resources outside of 988, you know, there's the Trevor Project. Um, that's specifically focused on LGBTQ plus folks. There you have queer people answering the phone and there to help. That number is 866-488-7386. And also helpful, I think, for parents of queer youth, especially with all the headlines going on right now about trans kids. You also have the Crisis Text Line where you can text HOME to 741741 and you can text with somebody who's trained and there to answer. You know, and then across Los Angeles County and really California and the rest of the nation, you have local chapters of organizations like NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Those are support groups for parents who have children with serious mental illness and also for other loved ones and people themselves with lived experiences. So yeah, there, there are several resources. And at the end of the day, in LA County, we can also call 211 and talk to folks. Jacqueline, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for the conversation, Gustavo. I hope we help somebody today. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Madeline Amato and David Toledo were the jefes on this episode, and Mike Heflin mixed and mastered it. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Katra Brasali, and David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Madeline Amato and Carlos Deloera. Our intern is Surya Hendry. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Morgan. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Eatman. Like what you're listening to? then make sure to follow the times on whatever platform you use. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back next week with all the news in this madre. Gracias. <laughs>